Hello and welcome to our new podcast series, 10 Minutes More, Stories from the Experts by 10 Minute Medicine. This series will be an insight into various specialties, from what makes a good F1, the challenges and interesting stories from our experts. We're going to cover a series of specialties from both medicine and surgery, and this podcast is particularly directed at medical students and early career doctors. I hope you enjoy. to Dr. Sam Burrows. So hi Sam, how are you doing today? Yeah, doing well thank you. It's uh, it's Friday so that's always a plus but no it's good to be here chatting. <laughs> Absolutely, thanks for thanks for talking today. Um, so why don't we start by you telling us a bit about yourself? Yeah, no, um, so I am a core psych trainee. I'm in my first year um, but I spent an F3 year, which was meant to be very fun traveling. Uh, and that was uh, slightly ambushed by the pandemic. So I ended up spending my F3 doing a, a, a trust grade job in psychiatry. So I've done 18 months now back to back of inpatient psych work. And then I did F1 and F2 in seven. Uh, before that, I studied in Birmingham and integrated in Bristol. Um, yeah. Wow. So you've got an awful lot of uh, inpatient psych experience, and I'm very sorry that your uh, your travel plans were were thwarted. But hopefully, you'll be uh, getting back to those in due course. Well, that's the aim. I think uh, you know one of the many perks of of psychiatry is it's actively encouraged. Um, but no, I mean it's it's been good, and I've I've experienced psychiatry now uh, across two different trusts and I think that's been really valuable to uh, see how, how different teams and different sites work. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, different things done in different places uh, quite drastically sometimes. So so what initially drew you to psychiatry? Were you always planning on doing that? Um, well, people uh, often laugh when I say that my, my favourite job in the foundation programme was orthopaedics. So I was trying to to toss up whether to throw my hat into that ring. But no, I think I've always been interested in psychiatry since doing a CAMS SSC at medical school and just realising that, um, you know, medicine doesn't have to be an acute uh, ward and things, things can be a bit slower, a bit more patient-centred and that you can speak to someone for, for an hour instead of five minutes and you can ask open questions and, and actually listen to the answers um, and, and spend time really going in into the problem. Um, so so that was the moment that I, I found that I wanted to do it in, in med school. And then really just every single experience that I've had has been really reinforcing. I've been involved in a few projects, all of which um, have kind of egged me on so I worked on a very uh, exciting project in, in Bristol um, on, a, on a research project that I really enjoyed. And that 
was in kind of psychedelic psychiatry and that allowed me to see really how exciting a lot of the possibilities are for psychiatry. Um, and I think it it kind of feeds into some of the things I, I looked at when I intercalated, uh, which was on the kind of history of medicine. And I think it emerged to me that perhaps psychiatry has a long way to go in terms of catching up with some of these really advanced physical health um, branches we have. And that therefore makes it, in my opinion, more interesting and more exciting because we're at the kind of, hopefully the psychiatric renaissance and um, perhaps other branches had that a while ago. Yeah, that was actually something I was going to pick up, up on a bit later in the talk, but we can absolutely talk about that now. So so kind of the future of psychiatry, and I, I, I would tend to agree that it is a specialty where it's, it's in some ways a bit behind in the evidence base um, compared to a lot of the rest of medicine, but in a sense that shows it's got more of a way to go and, and, and training in and working in it now could offer the opportunity for for being a part of something as it progresses faster than any other area. Yeah, I mean, so I think you're completely spot on. I mean, I think to to put it into um, into light, you know, PTSD was only recognised post the Vietnam War. Back in the 1950s, people were still using insulin, electroconvulsive shock therapy without restraint. So a lot has changed and it's going really rapidly and I think the neuroscientific advances mean that we're going to be thinking about psychiatry from like a fundamental level in in very different terms and that even you know the the, the words and the terms that we use to describe people's anguish and ill health are going to change in our in our lifetimes and I obviously I'm not an expert in other branches but I just can't see that happening elsewhere yeah no, I think I think you've hit the nail on the head and, and that's something that I find very interesting as well the uh, like the role for imaging and and biomarkers that potentially we don't even have at the moment but um, there's there's a lot left to be found in the specialty um, so yeah I mean I think you know if you look at physical health it was the um, the anatomical breakthroughs of the kind during the French Revolution and the Napoleonic era that led to people being able to you know locate things such as tuberculosis um so that went from consumption to tuberculosis when um the disease was found in people's lungs at autopsy and we've never really had the same way of visualizing mental illness but now you know we've got this great functional imaging and these transmitter scans and so hopefully our knowledge base about mental illness is is going to kind of exponentially increase in the next hundred years and then that'll allow the the treatments and things to follow would be my hope absolutely absolutely so i suppose we'll move on to the next question so what do you think as a trainee so thinking about f1s and f2s coming on to psychiatry because most um have to do either gp or psychiatry at this point what do you think makes a good um, foundation doctor in psychiatry? So that's a, that's a good question. And I think my experience, because I did do an F1 in psychiatry, was that you're suddenly confronted with what seems really alien. 
it's an alien setup. You have wards that are more like homes and you don't have the same physical capabilities and you're dealing with a lot of drugs that sound foreign and confusing and new and some of which are, you know, very, very rarely used. But then actually that's all kind of superfluous because what you need to be able to do is communicate and be able to take the same clinical approaches, which is history and examination. And if you're confronted with a problem to apply those, but then be able to distill stories down and then um, communicate exactly what's going on to your uh, consultants uh, and be you know be able to be approachable a so that the nurses can, can can update you but then you can pass that message on to the consultant and then you can pass back any information to the patient so so it's literally all communication skills and I find my my job at the minute is still 90% communication skills that's probably why I like it yeah I, th- I think uh, good communication skills it, it's a term that we throw around as if it's um, just a, an easy tick box but it, you know developing your communication skills in any area of medicine is key but in psychiatry we we have these much longer consultations we have um, potentially much more difficult and disturbing situations that we're having to deal with frequently so so adapting uh, to use these appropriate communication styles between your colleagues um with patients of course uh, with family members and staff it's it's you know when you really put the effort into try and develop you i think uh, from my experience as well you 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 see um immediate results when you when you put that extra effort in but but to become an expert in that takes a whole career i believe mm and i think there are a lot of quirks about psychiatry such as for example that the majority of the nursing team in psychiatry are not physically health trained which few people know and so that means that you need to perhaps be more supportive uh, in acknowledging you know that that when they have to deal with physical health concerns they are less sure of themselves as, as you would expect um, and so you need to be a good communicator and you need to be approachable um, so that you you can discuss those cases. Mm-hmm. Possibly a slightly harder variant of the question, but there's there's lots of people coming in to do a foundation job in psychiatry, who are either ambivalent or actually are against. They they don't want to come in to do the job particularly. Um, to put it frankly, and I think you see people who are looking forward to it because it's a slightly more relaxed approach as we've been saying but you also see people who are patently not interested in coming into it yeah I mean what I, think, you say about that? I think you know in my 18 months I, I've seen people that just treat it as a bit of a holiday dare I say it um and you know sure that the, the workload is is a lot less um I mean I have a, a memorable afternoon of spending a Friday watching Shrek on a dementia ward with two or three of the patients because there was nothing going on and you'd never do that in AMU would you so I hold my hands up and say that in some respects we have an easier life but I I would say to get involved because one of the um the misconceptions about psychiatry is that you know it's a single beast I spent 
taster days when I was doing an F1 in psychiatry, which all the psychiatrists are very keen for you to do because as an F1 and an F2, you're basically supernumerary. Um, and so you should use it as a, as a base to which to explore other parts of the specialty. And so, I, I mean, I spent a memorable day. I went to ECT. Um, I went to the addiction clinic. And you just meet some, you know, really interesting people, both in terms of clinicians and patients. And so my advice would be, even if it's not your thing, would be to go out and explore. Because essentially the stories that we hear are like are fascinating and even someone that doesn't want to do it as their their job probably would would find it interesting um and just learning really about what there is out there um and you know how this how the services are, are put together so that if you're a gp or an acute medic and you come across someone with schizophrenia which is a common illness or depression, which is a very, very common illness. You know, you, you understand how mental health services work and it could be your only opportunity to, to get that understanding. I agree it's important for people going into any area of medicine to understand how the services work. And I, coming back to one of your earlier points, I, I would agree that um, anyone who's interested in people whatsoever, you'd be amazed at the stories uh, that you hear and, and the discussions that you end up having and sometimes I find it hard to believe I'm at work uh, and that, <laughs> that, that um, what I'm doing at that moment in time is, is, is part of my job but in, in a very positive sense um, but th those are some really interesting insights so so thanks for those so kind of looking at the other side of things what do you think is the most difficult part of, of becoming a psychiatrist so that's I suppose the million dollar question. There's 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 a lot of things that are really challenging, and you know that's it's not a surprise perhaps that up until recently psychiatrists were able to retire earlier than the average uh, or than than all the other medical and surgical consultants, and that's just because of how uh, emotionally stressful it, it can be. And I think there are certain teams that you work in where you're just constantly seeing people who have suffered horrendous traumas and so you're having to listen to them and then, you know, you're having to hold that degree of emotion. But then, you you know, you also do experience uh, deaths in psychiatry in a way that other specialties don't. They're often seen as perhaps avoidable when they're they're not, and you you can deal with things like homicides when your patient actually goes out and um, commits a homicide, which then results in the stresses of you having to go to um, write reports and, and go to coroners at, at times. Um, then there's the responsibility. You know, if if you're an inpatient consultant and someone is detained you're their responsible clinician and and you carry a lot more responsibility towards the, the patient than just if they were admitted under your name on the, the rheumatoid ward. So, th so there's that degree of emotional pressure on you. As a junior, as an SHO, you end up carrying a, 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 a lot of responsibility for the physical health. 
and you know 90% of the time it's quite low lying um, issues but but I always describe it as me never having done a GP job but now being in charge of most of my patients general practitioner ailments without a GP supervisor so it's a it, it's difficult that, that you then have to to become responsible for the, for that side of things so those are the two things that jump out at me immediately yeah I, th- I think while the workload can be a bit less than in other areas it's very important to think about um yeah the the emotional burden that can be can be put on people and and the kind of situations that we uh you know you can get put into and and, and the difficulties that you can have to deal with so yeah it's i not, mean i guess not I, rosy. it's not and i i think to to be really negative and political we know for example the fastest growing medical specialty is cams so mental health services need to grow rapidly to match the demand of uh, mental health illness and if we don't then that's obviously going to develop into chronic mental illness with a higher burden and so we as a workforce are exceedingly stretched to catch up with that and so I think services although they they might seem that you know we're less busy I I think in many ways we might be be more busy and have a, a smaller pool of for example you know clinicians to to, to deal with these things so and the, fewer the, beds a lot fewer beds so i suppose the ratio of um of clinicians to patients will be changing and and if if cams is uh, increasing the, the needs in cams are increasing then that will spill over as as those young people become adults it will spill over into the general adult inpatient population as well mm, yeah i think so yeah yeah Okay, fine, fine. So for people who are interested in pursuing psychiatry and, and are listening to this podcast, what, what do you think are some good tips for what you could do as uh, someone who's aspiring to get into a training programme? Yeah, so good question. I'm actually in the minute, middle of making a presentation on applying to, to course psychiatry. So I've been thinking a lot about this. And um, it kind of embarrasses me to say that all you need to to reply is um, being a registered me- uh, medical practitioner and a driving license. Yeah, and a positive no, attitude. And a positive attitude. <laughs> I think that's actually optional. But they, um, you 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 get in through the MSRA, which is the multi specialty recruitment assessment, which is all multiple choice and it's used by other uh, branches such as ophthalmology, neuro, um, surgery. GP, radiology. So it's a, a very bizarre mix of questions. Um, so in a sense, and this might not be the answer you expected, if, if you want to go into CT1 psychiatry, you don't actually need to do anything. Um, but I would say that you, the best thing that you can do is to do a foundation job in psychiatry because that will either put you off or it will, will egg you on. And then to use that time to try and get into doing some taster days and maybe finding a field that's interesting. I I then use that as a stepping stone to get into some psychiatric research before I'd even started CT1. Um, so that would be my kind of more focused tips. But I think for um, 
for general aspirations than just just doing basic audit projects, basic teaching projects in whatever jobs you're doing in foundation jobs. And then, then you know, you, you learn the skills, those those really broad skills that you can then bring into the specialty. Um, and obviously, you know, you can do teaching and quality improvement project in psychiatric themes, but, you know, unlike surgery, it's, it's really not essential. Yeah, and that comes on to a point that uh, education and, and research, a career in psychiatry lends itself quite well to people who want to diversify out as well. Um, and as you said, engaging in those activities will help develop the skills that are very useful um, in, in being a psychiatrist as well. So, so I think that's a really useful answer. And I think uh, the audience will really appreciate it. So, um, no, that's, that's been great, Sam. Thank you very much for, for joining us today. No problem. Thank you very much for having me. Brilliant. So uh, I believe the next podcast, number six, is going to be on uh, upper GI surgery or maybe it's lower GI, but we'll find that soon. Thanks very much. time to listen to our podcast if you enjoyed do consider dropping us a like on facebook or heading over to our website and signing up to our mailing list to be kept up to date with all future releases otherwise i hope you enjoyed and goodbye